Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. How's everyone doing? Awesome, awesome. Um, so it's been a, a great season for Colleen and I learning how to raise more than two kids at the same time. Um, and first of all, I'd just like to thank all of you who have been so supportive of us as we've transitioned to this new season, uh, whether it's been bringing us meals or praying for us or supporting us here at Restoration. We're truly thankful uh, for, for everybody's support. Um, Something that we're realizing about both of our older kids uh, right now in this season is there are two things that are most important to them, dessert and TV. We try to limit the amount that they get of both of these things, uh, especially at certain times of day. But uh, so, so if, they, if they ask for either of these things, our response is usually not right now, but later, right? But because of schedules, there are times where our kids will, will go maybe a week or two weeks without one of these things. And you can tell when they're asking, they're starting to wonder, will there ever be a later at all, really? They'll either react poorly as soon as we tell them, not right now, but later, or they'll begin to ask, ask for an exact time and day of when they'll have either dessert or TV again. And even though they don't know how to tell time or know what day it is, I know that our, our kids do trust us. They, we, they trust that we will take care of them. But when it comes to fulfilling their entertainment needs and, and desires, we lost their trust sometime over the past year or two. <laughs> so while I was reading through the story of Joseph again in, in preparation for this sermon, it's clear that Joseph trusted God and his promises for him. Even when circumstances proved challenging and when things didn't go as expected, Joseph still eventually demonstrated trust in God and we don't know all the details of Joseph's experience or everything that Joseph felt during each of the different circumstances he endured, but we do see that eventually his actions and words reflect this trust in God and his promises, even up to his final words. This morning, I want to ask us as a, as a church, and myself included, do we truly trust God and his promises for us? Maybe for some of us, it's easy to trust God in some areas of our lives, but it's hard for us to trust God in, in other areas. Maybe some of, some of us are finding ourselves in situations right now where it's hard to see where God is in it, why he would allow a certain thing to happen to us, or, or if we can trust him to carry us through the situation. And today, I'm hoping that through the life of Joseph, we'll be reminded that our God is completely trustworthy. He always keeps his promises. Our God is, is not a forgetful father like I am a lot of times with my kids. He doesn't change his mind based on our behavior. He is not surprised by new roadblocks that arise. So we won't have time to discuss all the details of the life of Joseph today. So I'd encourage each of us to read through the story of Joseph again this week. Uh, you can find it in Genesis 37 through 50. And it sounds like a lot of chapters, but they're short chapters. So I'd, I'd encourage us to read through them because there's a lot there that we won't get through. 
So just to get started, a little bit about Joseph. We already know the story of his life. We've, we've all heard it growing up. Um, there's been movies made about it. I don't think a VeggieTale, I don't think VeggieTales ever made a version of it, but maybe they did. Um, but I just want to take some time to give a brief summary of his life. Um, so it's, first of all, fresh in our minds, and there's going to be a few key themes that we're going to discuss later on that, that are important um, that we can apply to our own lives. So Joseph was the, the son of Jacob, as we know, uh, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And as you remember, God made a promise to Abraham that he would make him into a great nation, um, that he would bring him to a promised land. And he directly reaffirms this covenant to Jacob, who was Joseph's father. So you, you would imagine that Joseph grew up hearing about these promises. Genesis 37 tells us that Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, we're told that because he was born to Jacob in his old age, he was Jacob's favorite son. And as a physical symbol of this love, Jacob made an ornate multicolored robe for Joseph. And chapter 37 tells us that when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than them, they hated him. They couldn't speak anything kindly about him. Joseph was also sent by his father to keep account of how well his brothers were doing at their shepherding duties, and uh, they would, he would make it known if they were not doing a good job. So he was basically a, a professional tattletale. So when Joseph was around 17 years old, he was, he was given two different dreams, uh, which basically described how one day his family would bow down to him. Um, and, and Joseph probably, he probably knew at this point that his brothers hated him, right? But for some reason, he still decides to tell his brothers these dreams. And for them, that, that was the final straw, right? He, he obviously was favored and spoiled by their father. Uh, he, was a, he was a tattletale, as we mentioned. And now he's claiming that one day each of them would bow down to him. One day when Joseph was, was sent to check on his brothers, they saw it as an opportunity to get rid of him um, and to avoid having Joseph's blood on their hands and also to, to benefit for themselves. They decided to sell him into slavery and lead their father to believe that he was killed by a wild animal. Joseph eventually ended up in the house of Potiphar, where surprisingly he prospered, right? There, there was success in everything he did. Potiphar, noticing this, put everything in his household under the charge of Joseph, uh, but this wasn't because Joseph was such a skilled person. Genesis 39 tells us that the Lord was with Joseph, and it was only because God was with him that he prospered. And, and because Potiphar took care of Joseph, we see that God blessed Potiphar as well. Uh, as we know, Potiphar's wife tried to tempt Joseph, but he remained steadfast and fled from her. She falsely accused him anyway, and, and Joseph was thrown in prison. And this was a, another big setback for Joseph, right? But once again, Joseph was successful in everything that he did. Genesis 39, 21 tells us again that the Lord was with Joseph, and as a result, he was put in charge of all the other prisoners. While in prison, Joseph interpreted the dreams of both Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker, who were fellow prisoners. The Lord revealed to Joseph throughout the interpretation that, that the baker would soon be executed and the cupbearer would be restored to his previous position. And he, he asked the, the cupbearer to remember him as he was restored to his previous position so that he could, he could bring him freedom. But as we know, the cupbearer either forgot or chose to neglect the opportunity to have Joseph freed. And Joseph remained in prison for a whole two years after this. 
Eventually, Pharaoh began having recurring dreams that were disturbing to him. And none of the best magicians in all of Egypt were either able to or willing to interpret these dreams for him. And the cupbearer, then remembering what, what Joseph had done for him, finally told Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was, or Joseph was brought before Pharaoh. And Joseph was not only able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, but he was also able to provide counsel to, to Pharaoh of, of what, should come, what, what he should do as a result of the coming events. The Lord revealed to Joseph that there would be a, a seven, seven years of great harvest, right? And this would be followed by seven years of severe famine. He instructed Pharaoh to put someone in charge of storing all of the grain for the next seven years in, t- in anticipation of the coming famine. And once the famine did come, not only would Egypt have enough for their own people, they would also be able to provide for the surrounding towns and villages. So recognizing that God had revealed this to Joseph, Pharaoh put Joseph in this position. And just like Potiphar put his entire household under Joseph's care, Pharaoh put his entire kingdom under Joseph's care. And Egypt prospered even more, as we know, throughout the famine. Uh, The things that Joseph prophesied came true. Eventually, Joseph's brothers came to Joseph to buy grain from Egypt, but they didn't recognize it was Joseph. And after some testing, Joseph reveals who he is to them. He invited his brothers and their families to move to Egypt, and they all did, including Jacob, who was still alive at the time. And in a sense, they they all lived happily ever after, right? And in chapter 50 of Genesis, we're told that in Joseph's last words, he reminded his family that one day they would be brought from Egypt into a promised land. And he was so convinced of this that, that this would come to be that he made his family swear that they would bring his bones to the promised land when the time came. So that's a, a very brief summary of the story of Joseph. Again, the reason I wanted to take some time to summarize the story first is because there's a few key themes that appear throughout his life that we can learn from and apply to our own lives today. It's easy to, to read the story of Joseph and to think that he's the hero of the story, though, right? He's the one who is the, the main character of the story, right? He, he is uh, the one who provides the counsel to Pharaoh and saves all the people from hunger. But really, he was just the supporting character, as you mentioned earlier. God is the, the hero of this story. In the midst of everything that is happening to Joseph, God is working out a divine plan within Egypt and the surrounding towns and is saving them from a huge famine. The only reason that we're hearing about Joseph is because God chose to use him and to work through him and because Joseph chose to trust God and to obey God throughout the different circumstances that he faced. So it's really for our benefit that Joseph is the focus within most of the story so that we can learn from his life and from his decisions. We mentioned earlier that the book of Genesis doesn't really tell us what Joseph felt or how he reacted to the different circumstances and setbacks that he faced. We don't know how he reacted to his brothers throwing him into a well and eventually selling him into slavery. But Joseph was human, just like us. In a moment, he went from being the favorite son and spoiled in a large family to a kidnapped slave who was completely alone. We can imagine that this was shocking to him and devastating, hopeless even. We can imagine that he began doubting the dreams that he had and the promises that God had given him growing up. We aren't told how, uh, how Joseph reacted when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown in prison. 
He had now gone from favorite son to kidnapped slave and, and now to prisoner. We can imagine that any hope that he had in the status that he gained in Potiphar's home, it was now gone. So the hope that he had in that was now gone. And we aren't told how Joseph felt while he was in prison. He was either forgotten or neglected by the cupbearer who had the opportunity to bring him freedom but didn't. And Joseph remained a prisoner for a whole two years with no end in sight. But the lesson for us in Genesis is that Joseph didn't stay in this hopelessness. He didn't stay in these emotions, right? He doesn't give into the, the hopelessness or abandon his faith. At some point, he always comes back to trust in God. When Joseph was, was sold into slavery by his brothers, he could have given into hopelessness. He could have chosen to, to fight against the injustice he was facing, refuse to work and suffer the consequences. But he didn't do that. Instead, he went the extra mile and served faithfully in the household of Potiphar. When Joseph had the choice between listening to Potiphar's wife and obeying God, he could have chosen the easy route and obeyed Potiphar's wife, but instead he chose to refuse any compromise to his moral standards and he was thrown in prison as a result. While in prison, Joseph could have seen his, his current position as rock bottom, right? With no clear end date to his prison sentence, he could have either just given up and waited to be executed or, or waited to be released sometime in the future. But instead, he remained steadfast while in prison even and demonstrated continued trust in God by serving faithfully there. Joseph had no clear way of knowing when or if a light at the end of the tunnel would come. He did not have any guarantee that the dreams that he had when he was 17 would come to fruition. But even still, he chose to trust God and to live in a way that demonstrated this trust. And in the same way, we as, as Christians have a similar choice every day. We may not be sold into slavery by our families or, or thrown into prison like Joseph was, but we're faced with challenges every day that test our faith and our trust in God. Some of us might be in situations right now that seem hopeless. And I'm not talking about the hopelessness of will this sermon ever end. <laughs> Some of us have been facing situations in our homes, in our places of work, in our, in our health, where we're starting to wonder, can I still trust God with this? Can I trust that he has a purpose for this situation, for having me where I'm at right now? Can I believe that I'm not alone in this situation? And this morning, I want to encourage each of us through the life of Joseph that, yes, we are able to trust him still. We can assume that Joseph wasn't born with this type of trust, right? It was probably a journey for him to get there, just like it will be a journey for us to get there as well. So there, there are three areas of faith that Joseph demonstrated within his circumstances that I'd like to mention this morning. Uh, first of all, Joseph had faith that God would never leave him. So when we first see Joseph enter the, the household of Potiphar, the first thing that we're told is the Lord was with Joseph. And, and the chapter tells us this around five times. What we can learn from this is, first of all, Joseph wasn't alone, right? He might have been taken from his family, from everybody that he knew. He might not have known anybody in Potiphar's home or in, in prison or in Pharaoh's palace. But through all of this, Joseph learned that he was never alone. God was always with him. Just picture yourself in Joseph's shoes for, for a second. Can you imagine if you had been taken away from your family, from everybody that you knew? That'd be terribly lonely, wouldn't it? 
But despite the situation, Joseph learned that he was not alone during these times. And, and the hopeful news for us today is that the same God that was with Joseph in all of these places is with us today. He is the same God who in Deuteronomy 31.6 has said to us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And, and we as Christians have even more access to God than Joseph did during this time, right? Those of us who have been saved have the Holy Spirit in us, God himself in us. So we can seek him in the times where we feel alone and, and he will be there to comfort us. We can seek him when we need wisdom and he will be there to lead us. For those of us who have been saved, though there will be times in our lives where we feel like despairing, where we feel hopeless or angry, we don't need to stay in this place. I'm not saying that we, we won't feel these emotions, right? But we can have faith that we're not alone in this battle. We have a God that is with us in it, not only, who, who not only knows our situation and knows what we need, but he also loves us and wants what is best for us. Second, Joseph demonstrated faith that God can use our current and past circumstances for good. One of my favorite verses from the story of Joseph is found in Genesis 50. Uh, this is after Joseph had been put in charge of Egypt, after Joseph's brothers and, and father had moved to Egypt, and, and Jacob had actually just died. Uh, with their father now gone, the brothers feared that Joseph would want to take revenge for everything they had done to him. They actually fell before his feet, and they, they pleaded for his lives, begging to be his servants. Starting in verse 19, Joseph says, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So Joseph, at this moment, he had the perfect opportunity to get revenge on his brothers, right? He had just endured around 13 years of trials, separation from his family, from his father who he loved. But instead of taking this opportunity, Joseph recognized the, the larger purpose in what God was doing in all of these situations. He no longer saw the past situations as meaningless or hopeless. He now saw God's purpose on each of them. And, and the same can be true for us today, right? Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And, and I know this is a verse that can often be misquoted. It's not, it's not saying that we can live whatever way we want and God will iron out the details. But it's saying that if we love God, if we're living in obedience to him, God can redeem our past. He can take any injustice that we are facing. He can work together any circumstance for good. And in Joseph's life, it is, is an example of this for us. He, he lived in a way that was obedient to God, to God's will, how he responded to temptation, how he continually pointed people to, uh, to God when interpreting dreams. But even still, Joseph still, still faced 13 years of, of bondage and injustice. It doesn't matter how, how spoiled he acted and with his brothers. Joseph was unjustly sold into slavery and thrown into prison, right? And Joseph did not see an end or a purpose while in these circumstances. As a, as a slave and a prisoner, he had truly hit rock bottom. While he was sitting in prison, I imagine that he was thinking that there was no logical way that God could fulfill the dreams that he had given him all those years ago. He had no way of knowing if freedom would, would ever come, when his trials would end, or what purpose they served. But even so, Joseph endured. He continued to live in obedience, and eventually he saw God use his difficult circumstances for good. 
And, and because of this trust, God was able to use him to provide food for Egypt, right, and, and the surrounding nations during the seven-year famine. Many lives were saved because of what God did through Joseph. And, and this would not have happened through Joseph if he had just chosen to, to tune out, right, if, if he chose to curse God and, and to navel-gaze, as Hugh mentioned last week. So, so for us today, when, when we are living for God and are facing difficult circumstances in our life, we do not need to despair, right? We have, we have faith that in any circumstance that we're facing, God is with us and it's not purposeless. We, we may not understand why these things are happening to us and we, we might not understand in this lifetime. But we can trust that God is, can still use even the most difficult circumstances that we face for good, just like he did in the life of Joseph. Just like we sang about this morning, right? He is faithful in every season. Finally, Joseph's faith shows us that we can have faith in God's promises for our future. As we saw earlier, Joseph's last words to his family were were about God's promises to the Israelites. God had promised that he would bring the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to a promised land, and, and Joseph believed these promises. He believed it so much that he, he, made, he made his family swear that they would bring his bones to the promised land when the time came. And this act of faith is actually what the author of Hebrews highlights in, in uh, Hebrews 11.22 when he's commending the, the faith of Joseph, right? He says this, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So Joseph here, as we know, was speaking about the coming exodus of the Israelites that would be led by Moses eventually. And he spoke about it not because he had experienced it or he knew the details of it, but simply because he had faith in God's promises for the future. And this is an example for us today of how we can trust in, in God's promises for our future, right? He promises to us that, that those who are saved will one day be freed from our current circumstances, and, and we'll spend eternity with him. And these are not promises that we need to earn, right? Joseph's last words to his brothers were this. He said, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he had promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there's nothing here about how any of the Uh, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob earned the promised land or how they were inheriting it because they deserved it, right? It was simply because God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham and his descendants. What we see here is Joseph has faith in God's unmerited grace to bring what he has started to completion. And we today are also recipients of this unmerited grace, right? The same goes for God's promises to us today. He promises a future with him to us, right? He promises to always be with us and to never leave us. And, and these are not promises that we need to earn. They are they're simply because of his grace, his mercy, and his love for us. None of us have any, ever done anything to deserve this love, but he freely offers himself to us. Just like it says in, in 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
So how should this love and trust affect the way that we live now? Just like Joseph lived with the, the conviction of the earthly promised land for his people, we should live with an even deeper conviction of the eternal promised land that we have ahead of us. We've spoken in, in previous sermons about what it means to live with an eternal mindset. It's, it's the understanding that, uh, of the reality that our time here on earth, though it might seem long now, is really only a small slice compared to the length of eternity. But the choices that we make now in this, this small slice of eternity affects our eternity, right? As most of you know, we, we recently had a son and, and we've named him Grayson. Um, and Kalina and I believe that this name was given to us by God, but we didn't quite have the confidence of the meaning of the name when we first, um, when we were considering it, even up to the point of putting it on his uh, birth certificate. It literally means son of a steward. And again, it didn't mean much to us. Uh, but shortly after we announced it, one of Kalina's family members sent us this verse from 1 Peter 4. It says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober-minded, mind, and of a sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use what gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And it goes on. So just, just hearing about how God is calling us to live with the mindset of eternity as faithful stewards is, is what confirmed the name to us. And, and that is how we are called to, to live when, um, when living with this eternal mindset, with eternity in mind. We're called to be sober-minded and, and faithful, faithful stewards of, of the gifts that God has given us. Even in the face of difficult circumstances, the hope that we have in eternity should, should motivate us to endure and to continue to live in this way. That's how I pray that my kids will live in the future, how I pray I will live with the remainder of my time, and how I pray that we as a church will live. So just to wrap things up pretty quickly now, um, through the life of Joseph, we are reminded that, that we can have faith that God will never leave us, especially in the midst of difficulty. We can have faith that God can use our present and past circumstances for good, and we can have faith in God's promises to us for the future. And once we have this level of faith, our prayers will change, right? We'll, we'll go from, God, are you with me in this, to, God, how should I respond to this situation knowing that you are with me? When we have this level of faith, our eyes will shift from our, our, our circumstances, no matter how bad they are, to God and to what he's doing in them. And when, when we live like this, we can see God do incredible things in us and through us, just like he did with Joseph. Can I pray? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story of Joseph, for his life, for what you were teaching us through it, for the, the faith that you gave him all those years ago. God, we want that same faith that he had, trust that you were, trusting that you are with us always in every situation. We ask that you would build our faith, our trust in you, knowing that you, you love us, that you give yourself freely to us, that we can trust you with our entire lives, every situation. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 